After a difficult week, thoughts turn back to football on Saturday as for the first time in 29 years, Newcastle United are the visitors to Kenilworth Road. I've got the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe alongside me to look ahead to Luton Town versus Newcastle, one where the overriding message will be very much, let's do this for Tom. Here's your intro. Hello everyone, welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. Uh, as I said in the intro, I'm Kev and I've got the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe alongside me. Before we get stuck into the football, of which we'll, we really will delve into it, and before I let James loose off of his long run, anyone who watched the Manchester City uh, preview podcast will know what I'm on about. Uh, obviously our thoughts are still with Tom and his family and friends and we await further positive news uh in the run-up to the Newcastle game and as far beyond as possible. Our thoughts also go out to former town player Glenn Ray, who's having a difficult time at the moment as well and has taken some time away from football. Glenn was a really popular member of the Hatter squad, as I'm sure you all know. Uh, we all loved him in the fan base and we've all seen him at away games so far this season and we hope that he's uh, safe and well and um, is ready to return to doing what he loves doing as soon as possible. Also, before we get stuck into this game, well done to Luton Ladies for qualifying for the fourth round of the FA Cup over the weekend. They now play women's Super League side Brighton in round four, which will be a great occasion for them. So well done, girls. That was a a fantastic achievement and a real bright spot of what's been a difficult week so far. Absolutely. Yeah, it was good news to hear that. Um, uh, I think it was a late goal as well, wasn't it? So. Um, yeah, fair play to him. That's going to be a great occasion um, playing against that. And uh, yeah, it sort of brought it back to a bit of football for a while, didn't it? Um, I, I think our thoughts are all still in, in multiple places, <laughs> mainly, you know, hopefully we think that no news is good news so far uh, about Tom, but but we'll see. But um, yeah, like, like we said in the little short message we recorded instead of the Bournemouth post-match, it's just about him being healthy, isn't it, really? It really is, yep. And thanks to everyone who commented and sent us messages regarding that short message that we put out, both from Luton fans, Bournemouth fans and football fans all around the world. Uh, The football family really comes together at a time like this. And um, yeah, no, no more so than sort of events last Saturday, which, you know, no one wanted to see, probably won't forget. And, um, you know, like you said, our best wishes are with Tom and all of our thoughts are just hoping that we get to see him safe, healthy and well in the not too distant future. Football does go on though, James, as is always the case. And uh, we have obviously just been told earlier today that that match will be replayed in full. We'll worry about that one down the line though. There's uh, another match to focus on and that is Newcastle United at home. 29 years ago, the last time Newcastle set foot Kenilworth Road, 
one of the magical nights, one of the most memorable nights, a night that I always remember mm. and uh, enjoy thinking about. Scott Oakes, John Hartson, 2-0, FA Cup replay, fourth round, set us on our way to what would eventually be a semi-final at Wembley. It was just one of those magical nights. They were like the big cheese, weren't they, yeah, going for Premier League titles and everything else under Kevin Keegan, Andy Cole and you know all of these sorts of players had no right really to beat them. We were in Division 2 or Championship at the time, uh, as is now at the time. But as is so often the case, the Giants come to Kenworth Road and uh, get their wings clipped, and that's what happened that night. Yeah, I don't remember it play by play. I just more remember it how it made me feel, really, which was, um, like you say, it, a team that big at the time. And I think everybody loved that Newcastle team as well, didn't they? So everybody's quite fond of them, but... Yeah, to beat them in that way and then what happened afterwards as well to get all the way to the semis was was wonderful. So, um, yeah, very good memories. Hopefully more of the same. Absolutely, yeah. You mentioned that everyone loved that Newcastle team. I think it's fair to say that's not the case with the present day. Not so much the team, but the people who own it. Can't have said what I said against uh, Man City and not, not say similar things to, to about this one, really. You know they haven't. The one, the one difference, I suppose, is that they haven't got one hundred and fifteen charges hanging over their head for alleged financial uh, misdemeanors yet, as Man City have. Um, but uh, you know their owners arguably are a, a, a worse lot than Man City's are. Um, I should say that they're they're majority owned by. A sovereign wealth fund, whatever that is, of the of the Saudis, um, who and they say that they are not connected to the ruling royal family, but you know, I think it's clear that they are, uh, or it's been alleged that they are for sure. So, um, yeah, it's very difficult to view it as just a straight football match, really. When you, when you come up against those, I mean. I very much view this game as, you know, it's not about just the game, really. It's about the future of football. And um, it's about what we want in the future of our game, really. Um, And that's because, do we want any old club to be run by nation states or oligarchs or any old despot? Um as a front for them to be able to cover up what they do back in their own countries, really. And um, it's very well known that they've got an appalling human rights record in, in Saudi Arabia and what they've done here um, in buying Newcastle is uh, part of their Saudi 2030 vision, which by all accounts isn't going very well, um, which is to move their economy away from dependency on oil into other areas. And what they're doing quite clearly is buying up Newcastle. Um, they've bought up golf. They have world, world title fight boxing in the, in their country now. And, um, you know, it's, it's not because they've got huge, um, history with those sports. It's because uh, of one thing, and that's sports, <laughs> it's sports washing. Yep. I mean, um, Formula One's there as well. 
2034 World Cup's going to be there. So FIFA have sold out to the Saudis as they had done previously to Russia and Qatar uh, for the last two World Cups that we've seen. Um, of course, all the messages will be that, you know, they're trying to make a better place and, you know, portray, you know, use sport to portray the wrongs and make things better. But we heard all that with Qatar, didn't we? And there's no evidence that anything's better there. We heard it with Russia previously and look what's happened there since then. And, um, you know, FIFA have kind of turned their eye on, on all of that. And they, I like you say, it's ironic that Luton are going to be playing, uh, play, playing Saudi Arabia. Luton are going to be playing Newcastle on Saturday whilst, uh, Heavyweight boxing showdown goes on in that country on Saturday night when Anthony Joshua fights Otto Wallin and a few other heavyweight contenders uh, on the undercard. It's um, yeah, it's not good, really, is it? I mean, you know, you're right; they don't have any charges over them, but they haven't been there three years yet. Or you know, FFP's over three years. So who's to say in three years' time they won't have that? I mean, they spent big, haven't they? You know, I mean, they spent fifty odd million quid on the bloke who's banned. For gambling that was a punt that didn't come off if you will um you know they brought other big names i think alexander isak cost in the region of 70 million quid absolutely you know it's fair enough he's a good player and all of that but newcastle weren't able to spend these sorts of funds under mike ashley they do well to spend 70 quid let alone 70 million quid it's <laughs> um so it is having a big impact isn't it you know they're in the champion or they were in the champions league obviously they're bombed out of that already um but they're in, they were in the Champions League largely over the money that they spent. So, you know, it's clearly having a huge impact on football in this country. And whilst this season's not going as well as previous seasons, Newcastle have become a force because of Saudi ownership. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's there'll be a significant amount of um, Newcastle fans that are delighted by that. The, the promise of shiny things is exactly what is the motivation behind sports washing because they'll give, they'll come in and they'll invest in clubs or sports or events uh, and they'll promise the world and promise titles and promise success. And people, some people will get carried away by that and they'll, they'll buy into it. But it, what, what, it, what really is behind it is for them to look better on the world stage uh, and to distract the shiny things there are to distract from a poor human rights record, which, um, you know, up until October this year, they executed a hundred people, um, poor, poor rights for women, poor rights for LGBTQ plus. There are no rights for them. It's illegal to, to be gay in those countries. And, um, you know, it's, you can't escape it by just saying, oh, it's just a game of football. I think the good thing is, though, that journalists in this country, they've not fallen for it, have they? You know, they they, they regularly um, call it out for what it is. Obviously, you know, unfortunately, nobody other than people that are in power of sport have the potential to stop it. The Premier League have pandered to it. There's no stopping it now. As I just mentioned, FIFA have pandered to it. Formula One, you mentioned that they brought golf. They've just brought the Masters champion for the best part of $450 million for a golfer. It's a white thing around a field, 60, 70 odd times a day. I mean, you know, this is the kind of obscene amounts of money that they're spending to cover all of this up. And um, yeah, fair play to everyone who calls it out. And like you say, Newcastle fans, you know, a lot of them, you see it on social media. They don't really care where it comes from. They just want their club to be winning things. 
it's a little bit short-sighted from from my liking. I mean, would I want Luton to be running that way? No, and I can and I honestly say that. And we said it during the Man City podcast. I wouldn't want Luton to be run any other way than what we are run. So this isn't, certainly isn't a jealousy thing. Absolutely not a jealousy thing. I'm more than happy with the way Luton are run, and if that means that we potentially threaten with relegation because of it, then so be it. But the bigger picture is, as we've seen in the last seven days. There's an awful lot more important things in this world than football or indeed sport. And to use it as a vehicle to cover up these important things just isn't right, really. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just not having it, really. I can't, you know, Newcastle will come to um, Kenilworth Road, not as the club that everybody loved um, in the in the 90s when they played great football. Um they they come with a with a cloud over the head, and that's nothing to do with the players, and it's nothing to do with the manager. But by operating under that, that their ownership and operating the system, they're in a, they are in a sense a bit complicit in this thing. And I I don't really want to have to. Um, I, I want to talk about football. Don't, don't get me wrong. I know you might think that I'm getting on my high horse and stuff, and there'll be a significant amount of people that complain about that. And even in the comments, because I saw it against Man City, they'll say, can you just stick to football and keep the rest out of it? And I want to. I really want to. But that is what sports washing is. It wants you to ignore it and it wants you to not talk about it. So I have to. Stick to football. You you and Gary Lineker are are a kindred spirit, aren't you? He's always getting told to... um stick to football at the minute uh, the difference between Newcastle and Man City to bring it back onto a football sense is Man City have players and managers that win things regularly this lot don't um, they haven't won a trophy for I don't even know how long they've won a trophy for but it's going on 50 years they've obviously bombed out of Europe already Tuesday night you know they couldn't take penalties to stay in the Carabao Cup so you know from that point of view they're not really getting all this shiny stuff, are they? They're just getting some fancy players to watch, and and that's pretty much it. There's no there's no sign of a trophy. They're no closer to winning a trophy now than they were previously. I know they made the Carabao Cup final last year, but you know, even so, I think they beat Southampton under Nathan Jones in the semi final, if I'm right. So that was about the only thing that Nathan did of any use at Southampton as well, wasn't it? So they didn't have a particularly difficult run there so all well, for all this money that they've spent I mean and and you start this month and you thought Arsenal Man City Newcastle Chelsea oh Christ what a month you look at this Newcastle side and you're like what why why are we fearing why should anyone really fear it because yeah they've got some good players most of which are injured but they're not in the realms of the City and the Arsenals of this world they're not but at the moment you know the amount of money that they've got sloshing around for instance um Four point nine billion pounds was the amount that uh, you know since since early twenty twenty one that uh, the Saudi have spent. This is according to the Guardian. Um, so good reporting that the Saudis have spent in um, putting money into sports deals. That's a massive amount of money to you and I and everyone else, but that's pocket change to these people. Well, yeah, absolutely. As I just alluded to, a tenth of that went on one golfer. Well, yeah, exactly. So that just to put that into context, <laughs> that is um, equivalent to the GDP of Montenegro and Barbados, actual countries. So they've spent 
the, the amount of money that those countries make gross domestic product on this sports washing effort just in the last two years you can see it everywhere you can see it with the golf that you've mentioned and the the, the formula one you can see it in football with the amount of money they spent on tempting players to go over to saudi arabia uh, and they even put up like 259 million pounds this was al hilal to try and buy Kylian mbappe now thankfully he saw right and and, and he turned that down but that club has that club is one of the few clubs in Saudi Arabia, from what I can see from the reports, that actually has a decent attendance at their ground. I mean, you've got Jordan Henderson playing in front of 600 people. They have 28,000 people on average, which is a fairly decent size. But if you want to put the equivalent on it into UK football, it's like Cardiff City being able to afford £250 million per Kylian Mbappe. In no world would that ever happen, but these lot these lot think they're able to do it. So for now, Newcastle haven't won anything, but that's because of maybe injuries this season. They'll keep pumping money into it and, and, and eventually they'll, they will. Well, I mean, it will be interesting to see, and this will be a debate for another day, whether they do keep pumping money into Newcastle or whether they pump money into their own Saudi league and get all of the big names over there and do what the Premier League did to Serie A uh, sort of 20, 30 years ago, albeit, in completely different sort of um, humanitarian sort of ways. Um, But for now, you know, this Newcastle side, they head to Kenilworth Road sixth in the table with a lot of injuries, as you say, um, and a terrible away record. Terrible away record. I think they've played nine away games this season. The only one they've won, credit to them, when they won it, they won it well, 8-0 at Sheffield United, but it's the only one they've won. Sheffield United only played for 20 minutes that day and chucked the towel right in. So from the 11 that we're going to be facing on Saturday, there is absolutely nothing to fear in terms of their away record. Sure, at home, the fans carry them. You know, they've got this fantastic stadium. 50-odd thousand home fans, away fans who are probably panting on their last breath by the time they've got up to that away and not making any noise, which helps. But away from home, it's nothing like the same. No, and they've probably got a similar effect as, you know, the feel-good factor around um, St. James's Park as to what happens at Kenworth Road. It's, you know, yeah, it's probably a similar thing. But you know, on a grander scale, Newcastle fans, I know you've got a bigger stadium, blah, blah, blah. We've been there. It took a very long time to get up the stands. A very, very, <laughs> a very, long, very long time. time. Um, In fact, we might need to leave after this game to get up there for the um, February fixture. It takes that long to get up there. <laughs> Luton are not going to be scared of anybody at home. They can't now be after Arsenal and Liverpool and even Spurs. But especially a side who've won one in eight, nine away games, whatever it is, at Sheffield United, which barely counts and certainly didn't count on the day, did it? Because they didn't turn up Sheffield United. Yeah, I mean, the only sort of um, the f- a factor in this of unknown is that obviously we're not going to have Tom Lockyer and, and what that does to the team and what that does to people because you know we're still still reeling from that very much that we don't really know how, how he's getting on we hope he's doing well um and it was only a few days ago that we were making that message saying football's not very important and it kind of feels like it we haven't got out of that yet that it's it feels like it isn't very important it will be a nice distraction 
and I wish it was against any other club but these lot because of the context of how they come into the game and their owners because I can't see it as a fair football fight. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. Um, we probably, you know, football still doesn't really matter, but all it can do is bring us a little bit of cheer in a period where I think we all need a bit of a lift after um, the scenes of last Saturday. We'll come on to the sort of Luton team in a minute, but as we always do, let's pick two or three threats out from this Newcastle side. Now we are struggling a little bit here because they have got serious injury problems. So if we pick obvious threats like Alexander Isak or um, Anthony Gordon, the reason why we're not picking those is because we don't think they're going to play or their injury record suggests that they're not going to play. One person who did play 90 minutes for them on or near enough 90 minutes for them on Tuesday night uh, when they lost in the Carabao Cup was Callum Wilson. Very good striker. Very good centre forward. We've played against him before in the lower leagues. Uh, I think he was at Coventry at the time, if mem- if my memory serves. But he's also played at Bournemouth as well, hasn't he? Um, played for England. Good centre forward. But whether he's, you know, whether he's sort of, I mean, we just played Dominic Solanke, didn't we? Kept him quiet for an hour. Um, whether he's any better than that, I'm not sure. Joint top scorer for Newcastle, though, with seven goals. So he has to be respected. Yeah, he does have to be respected. It's going to be, it'll be a challenge because there's going to have to be some changes in the back line. And I don't know for the life of me how they would have trained this week with what happened and what they saw last week. You've got to, you've got to put into perspective. These are these humans and they saw their mate fall over and have a cardiac arrest. You saw the reactions of the players there at the time. And obviously the defenders will work closer with Lockyer as well. But you've also got the likes of Carlton Morris, who is his, his best friend at the club. And he was devastated at Wembley. And now to have this happen for the second time in seven months, how do they prepare for a game like that? It's it's going to be such a hard afternoon, really. Well, like I say, we you want to be there to try and forget the... the, the um, incident of last week all the time not being able to um and the defense for Luton and how they line up they've got a huge task there to firstly work out how they're going to play together for this game and then for the likes of Wilson to to deal with him because he's an England international and he he's decent in front of goals certainly for Newcastle yeah, he is. He scored Newcastle's goal on Tuesday night. Hopefully our centre-back doesn't trip over his own two feet and leave him clean through on goal like the Chelsea one did. Um, I'm sure they won't. I'm sure whoever it is will defend much better than that. Um, another threat for them is, well, that we know is going to be in their front line is um, Miguel Almiron, who they signed from Atlanta United. I saw a lot of him in MLS. Quite liked watching him. He's going to be very much in the Arsenal mould. They all like the comfort of our pitch because he's going to feel it an awful lot by the amount of times he falls on the floor and rolls over but when he is standing up that left foot's pretty good so uh, Alfie Doughty whoever it may be playing at left back is going to need to be on their toes he's very much of the mould of the players that we've played recently the Michael Elise's the Bernardo Silvers the Brian and Bamos of this world whereas everything's going to cut inside onto the left foot and you just got to make sure that does not happen yeah, I suppose the one thing that if players are that sort of one-footed, then you've really made a mistake if you allow them to do that, unless they have pulled off some unbelievable bit of skill there. I mean, you've got to anticipate that he's going to be cutting in like that and stuff. 
yeah, he's he's a very good player. Seems to work very well in the um, in the Newcastle setup, and he's, he's a threat for sure. Um, you just hope that they too are going to be quite disjointed because of all this injury stuff and because they played in midweek as well. Um, but you know, like every like all the top players or people players in form in the Premier League if you give them a little sniff they'll take it and he always seems like he's one of those players yep whenever I've seen Newcastle recently not just on Tuesday night but pretty much every time I've seen them on television which is quite a lot because they are on a lot at the minute they look absolutely shattered they look out on their feet these injuries whilst the players that they've still got playing are good you can tell they've played far too many games recently and they're running on gas and uh, that's something that we've got to take advantage of on Saturday. One player who doesn't look good at the minute though, who we actually, if you look through all of the statistics, he is high up on everything, is Kieran Trippier, obviously England right back, Newcastle captain, first signing under Eddie Howe, I think, um, certainly the first marquee one under Eddie Howe. Brilliant in the first sort of two thirds of what we've seen of this season but recently I mean tripped over his own feet twice against Everton recently cheers Kieran really appreciate that um (laughs) let them in for two goals messed up completely on Tuesday night for the goal that Chelsea equalized with I don't know what he was doing with his penalty but the goal was one way and the ball went completely the opposite way and uh, he looks like a man whose head is all over the place at the minute. Now he hasn't necessarily got tiredness on his side because he missed the game against Fulham last week because he was suspended for five yellow cards. So he doesn't seem to be in a great place right now. So whilst he's a threat attacking and you know he's got the most assists in the league along with Neto and someone else and he's yeah, I think he's second in touches of the ball this season. And generally, he's a good attacking threat for Newcastle. The other way, he looks like he's someone that we can seriously get after. And Luton Town like getting after right backs. They do. Um, a lot of it comes down the left side for, for Luton. That's if Chio is firing as well. Obviously, he'll he'll fancy it against anyone in the, in the league. But you've got to take advantage if players aren't feeling very confident and not in a good uh, spell at that time. And if that's Kieran Trippier or, or the, it doesn't matter really who it is, but if, if he's one, then you can send, you could probably imagine that would be a target. Certainly at home, the way Luton have played down that side has been um, really exciting. And um, yeah, if we can get back to that, um, I, I know Chio came on at, at the weekend and, and stuff, but um I'm not sure we've seen him in full flight for a couple of weeks now, or certainly since the international break. And he had that one game where he, he sat out of the squad and um, then he came back in, but um, Edwards was saying he's not 100% yet. And, you know, what sort of factor does that have really on on, on his ability to, to do that? But um, it, I, I'd won him against anyone in in that position and hopefully Kieran Trippier does what you said and uh, trips over more boots laces whatever that would be uh, very nice yeah I mean he you know as I say twice against Everton uh, on um, the other night as well and he didn't exactly cover himself in glory against um, AC Milan last week when they went out of the Champions League albeit AC Milan, standout European side, probably unfair to necessarily criticise him in that sort of game. 
Does it have to be Geo though? Jacob Brown's in decent form. He's more than capable of um, roasting a few right backs in this league as well. And, uh, you know, you've got Alfie going down that side as well. So no reason why we can't get attacking down there. I know most of our play on Saturday prior to the incident that we all um, can't get out of our minds came down our right-hand side. I think a lot of that was because their left-back was, well, he didn't fancy defending very much. Um mm-hmm. Let's just put it that way. But we 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 usually do attack down the left hand side, don't we? So you would think it's definitely in the sort of works. Whether it's Chio, whether it's uh, Jacob Brown, wh- whoever it may be down that left hand side, uh, that's the route to attack. That's not to say that whoever plays left back for them, be it Liveramento, Lewis Hall, or whoever, is bulletproof. But I would imagine we'll send most of the traffic down the left hand side. Well, if you get the Jacob Brown that played so well against Man City, then sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's played well a lot of the times, really, and not got the rewards, but I thought that was his best best game, really, if he plays like that. Um, yeah, it's just if he can, really. I mean, again, you're just sort of thinking, uh, have they all 100% got their minds on it, really? I, I know you could not blame them at all, one nope. single bit, if they didn't. No, if anyone's not, feeling right to play on Saturday, then that's absolutely fine. The, as as we've said, uh, football is kind of irrelevant, really. We all want to play. We all hope that we win. We all hope that we'll do it for Tom. But more importantly, the people who go on the pitch have got to be of the right frame of mind to um, do so. And if they're not, they're human beings, and that's absolutely fine. Yep. Um, let's be Rob Edwards for a minute then. Obviously, we're recording this before Rob's pre-match press conference, um, as we always do. He is going to have to make a change. Um, so who do you go with in the middle of that back three? Probably high up on the list would be Gabe Osho or Mads Anderson, both of whom were on the bench on Saturday. Thankfully, the game got uh, abandoned before we found out who was going to replace Tom Locke here. That was absolutely the right thing to do. Um, who do you think it will be? Uh, well, Mads is still coming back from injury, isn't he? And he's not really played a proper spell in the game. He in the played team. that under 21 game, didn't he? I think he played an hour in that game. So he's got some minutes in his legs, but whether that's enough to go straight into a Premier League game against a top class centre forward, who knows? Yeah, not not for me in this game. I think Mads Anderson's got a, clearly now got a massive role to play. Uh, in the remainder of the season because we, we don't expect to see Tom at all this season. I think it'd be a miracle and and, and maybe ever again, who knows, um, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But for this season, yeah, Mads is going to have a massive role to play for sure, uh, but not for this game. I, I, would, I would go with Gabe. Yeah, I, I think that's fair enough, isn't it? I don't think we're, you know, unveiling any secrets regarding Tom. I mean, if you just look back to the parallels with uh, Christian Eriksen, it was nine or 10 months before he was back on a football field. And, you know, obviously there's only six months left of this season uh, as it stands. I agree. I think Mads has got a, a large role to play. Um, probably going to have to play some of it this week. Three games in seven days, you know, it's going to take its toll. I don't think all 11 players are going to play all 270 plus minutes. So, you know, whether he's coming off the bench or whether he's starting certain games, Mads is going to have a role to play, but I think Osho's the Osho's the one in the middle there. Um, not just because he's been playing more recently, but also because Callum Wilson's got pace, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. what Mads hasn't got. And um, Osho could go probably go toe to toe with him 
or, or, or if they put Mengi inside and Osho on the outside of him, whichever way they do it, uh, we'd have some pace in there, wouldn't we? The other one that we're missing is we're still missing Marv. Obviously, he, we thought he'd served his suspension on Saturday. That now hasn't come to light. He's going to serve his suspension on uh, Saturday against Newcastle. But we're okay with Barkley and, Log- and Lukonga in the centre of that midfield? Absolutely, after that first half performance against Bournemouth, yeah. Um, I was comfortable with it anyway when we knew Marv was not going to be playing that game. Um, he does look good, Lukonga. Yeah, he, he, he does. does. He looks does. good. He does look class. Um, I really like the look of him. <laughs> not seen enough of him, obviously. Uh, I don't think anyone has, but what we have seen, we really like. And... Um, yeah, it's good to have him back and he's going to be very much needed. Uh, and when the three of them back, it's going to be fantastic prospect. And, um, you know, that'll be the next game, obviously. But um, for now, well, well happy with that. Yeah, me too. I was watching Lekonga, um quite closely on Saturday because, you know, is he, is, he, is he as good as he was? You know, because we loved him in them first two games. Is he as good as he was? Oh, yeah, he's, he's good. He still glides around the pitch. Ball is just stuck to him he just knows exactly where to be and who to pass it to and how to move to get the ball back and yeah like him like him a lot and Barkley and Townsend's really coming to the fore now as well and he'll be important on um, well all three of these games actually Andros Townsend um, so yeah that's all looking really really good um, Eli up front still obviously unfortunately his fifth goal of the season we think is going to be taken away from him mm because that game didn't get completed, which, you know, it's, un- it's unfortunate for him. Uh, I think there was a stat during the rounds, wasn't it, that he was the first Luton Town striker to score in three successive top flight games since the great Mick Harford, which is a fantastic accolade. So basically, Eli, you just got to score on Saturday and get that statistic back again. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame from a personal level, obviously, what's happened. He, he, yeah, he, he won't, won't care about, he won't, it. No, he won't he care won't, about it in that sense. But he got the goal and we knew going into that game that if he scored, he'd be the first player since Mick Harford in 1992, back into that last season in the top flight, to score in three consecutive top flight games. It was a great achievement and he did it. You know, I was talking about it with people just before the game and then he did it very quickly. So it was a great record for him to have. It probably will get expunged, I would would imagine, but he's just just got to do it again, hasn't he? Well, if Bournemouth had hideous shirts on of a, of a weird fluorescent colour, it was pretty much an instant replay of the Arsenal goal, wasn't it? You know, brilliant corner from Doughty. Goalkeeper, I don't know where he's going, but he certainly ain't going anywhere near the ball. And Eli's like, well, if you don't want it, I'll nod it back. I'll nod it in for this one as well. And uh, three minutes in and yeah, it was all going so well. And obviously it, beca- it all became so irrelevant so quickly after. And we hope that that's definitely not the case. Uh, going forward but yeah Eli is going to be a real threat isn't he um, they've got defensive injuries Fabian Shah um, Shah Shah however you pronounce his surname um, went down with a hamstring injury in the Fulham game and he went pop completely so that's not going to be fixed in seven days Joe Linton went down with a hamstring but didn't seem to be quite as bad so he might play in the middle of the park but Shah definitely won't so they're going to have sort of makeshift centre-halves and that should be right up Eli Street yeah, um, they've got. Uh, is Dan Burns? He was on the fit? bench last uh, last Saturday, but he didn't play on Tuesday night. So where where he is in the grand scheme of things, not sure. But yeah, because I would imagine if 
if he plays, it would be quite an old-fashioned ding-dong between the two of them, which I'd love to see, to be honest. But, um, you know, the form he's in at the moment, I think you've just got to play him and let him do what he does. I mean, he doesn't know what he's going to do. We don't know what he's going to do. Sure as hell, defenders don't know what he's going to do. It makes it very exciting. At the moment, it's in just an incredible purple patch. So um, I hope he plays. I hope he gets the goal that should have been... Um, should have given that record to match with Mick who is sort of like a mentor to him anyway and obviously played a, a significant part in that recruitment of him from Walsall only was only two years ago isn't it two and a half years ago um, remarkable really what he's what he's done in at the club since then but um, yeah no I think like I said in the the last podcast the, the, the strength and the options that we've got up top None, none of them worry me. You, you put any of them up there, and you'd be quite happy with it. But at the moment, he's he's on shining form. Yeah, he really is, and uh, long may that continue. Um, so we don't really see too much change in in the team lineup as long as everyone's okay mentally. If they are, then we just think Osho for Lock. He'll be the only change. Hopefully, Chio perhaps for Brown as well. But there's a lot of football to play mm. over the Christmas period, so we'll see Chio when we see Chio. Um. It was going to be quite a vociferous crowd on Saturday anyway, because it's the first time since he got sacked that Graham Jones returns to Kenworth Road and he's not going to um, bypass without a few people telling them what they think of him. Um, But obviously it's going to be emotional in the crowd now, isn't it? Um, You know, everyone's going to want to be up for this to get the boys up to do this for Tommy. There's lots of talk and uh, interaction on social media that we're going to get some kind of applause or chanting Tommy's name in the fourth minute and that's absolutely right and I hope that that takes place and I'm sure it will do and that's just going to ensure that Luton whoever it is on the pitch going to come out all guns blazing in that first 15-20 minutes yeah why the fourth minute I know because he's number four but just do it all the time you know what a, what a rousing thing that'll be for him to hear to have that support it'll be incredible the atmosphere will be incredible as well and I'd rather that to be honest than any negativity towards Graham Jones. It was a blip in a period. It didn't cost Luton anything. And now look where Luton are in the Premier League. It doesn't matter. It's, you know, it doesn't matter what he did. It was a, he was a nice bloke. who It didn't work out. It's not about him at all. No negativity on the weekend. Just make it about Tom Lockyer and just try and... Let's try and get into this game and get our minds into this game by positive vibes absolutely yeah as we said there's no there's nothing to fear here if we produce the performance we produced against Arsenal and Man City and that will be difficult in light of the circumstances that are around the game now but if we do and if that do it for Tom vibe is motivation and everything then there's no reason why Luton can't come out on top in this game we beat them 2-0 last time they come down here and they were a division above us they're not a division above us now we play them in terms of league leagues as an equal, if not in terms of sort of set up and everything else, and um, it's it's got it's got to be a siege mentality now, and it is it does. It's, it's got to be in in that area. Um, I mean, if you look back, I mean, obviously we've kind of unfortunately got recent sort of um, things to go on in the fact that it happened at Wembley. They did it for him at Wembley, didn't they? I, I look back on it now, feeling how I felt this week, and I'm only on the vociferate of it. I have nowhere near uh, as close to Tom Lockyer as what the boys are. 
you just look back on it like, how the fuck did you win at Wembley with with what went on there it's just my respect and admiration for these boys has always been there just gone up tenfold over the last seven days it really has yeah me too i mean i don't i uh, you know fair play to them i know they've got a job to do and it's a very difficult one right now um you know in in their title winning season Jürgen Klopp called his players mentality monsters didn't they and all they were doing was very very elite players going for a title and that, that's this lot that's mentality really is um but they're going to need some help um from the fans um and I'm, i've no doubt that, that they'll get it it's, it'll be an emotional day but channel it in the right way absolutely yeah that's a strong message we're not going to appear on Zoom for this podcast because I've remembered <laughs> that we're going to do score predictions for this one. James, I'll let you go first. There's no 115 um, that Luton can score for this game. Again, referencing the Man City thing. What's the score going to be between Luton and Newcastle on Saturday? Yeah, I almost almost don't care again about the, the score, the, the, the relevance of it, because like I say, I can't, I can't see it as a fair football fight, really. Um, the the it has been made so sort of by their injuries a little bit. Um, what should I go for? <laughs> one nil to football. One nil to football. Fair enough. I do love the fact that you think we're going to keep a clean sheet. It's probably the first time all season you thought we we're going to keep a clean sheet. So uh, yeah, fair play to that. We've just lost our defensive stalwart. Haven't kept a clean sheet all season, but you know if ever there's a time for it to happen. Here it is. It was a metaphorical, mystical uh, scoreline that it's yeah one nil to football, uh, meaning the the only the only silver lining on this would be if Luton win the game because you've got a club for me run by fans for the fans running the right way against a club one hundred percent not running the right way. Uh, it shouldn't be allowed, um, and if. You know, if if you'd seen our deep dive when we did on the uh, independent football regulator, we went into stuff like this. Um, And also, if you've seen the David Wilkinson podcast, go back and listen to that. That's a somebody who's part of the ownership team of Luton. That's a proper owner. Uh, If you've seen those things, there's there's no way I can. I don't think you can get around that. As well as independent financial football regulator. What also needs to come into uh, football clauses and ownership models, um, and I don't know if it ever will, but we have to dream, <laughs> is I think that they should have a human rights clause, which would mean that ownership models like Newcastle, Man City, Paris Saint-Germain can't happen because they will not be able to prove um, otherwise. Or... If they really want it that bad, then they have to change their ways and they have to prove it otherwise. And that can only be a good thing for um, the citizens of those countries who have to face public floggings and beheadings and, um, you know, discrimination and uh, calling people, calling gay people illegal and, and, and locking them up and killing them. And sometimes killing people distance for little for as little as a tweet you know 
Yeah. So I, I think that, that that needs to come in if there's a human rights clause. Now, what that will also do at the very at the moment will mean that you wouldn't have situations in the past where we've had World Cups uh, in Russia and Qatar. That would not happen. And also you wouldn't have this uncontested situation where Saudi Arabia just get the World Cup in 2034. What it would also mean at the current moment in time is that UK would not be able to hold any help hold any major sporting events because ours our policies are not commensurate with human rights in fact the governing the the government pretty much want to scrap uh, human rights so sport and football should be and can be a force for good now if it gets if it gets nation states and draconian rulers and despots to change their ways then that can only be a good thing. Now, whether it will or not is a different matter, but you've got to try. Absolutely. Yep. There's nothing gained by not trying. And uh, as we alluded to earlier, nothing really has happened with Russia and Qatar. Um, Football on Saturday, Luton win it 3-1. They do. They win it 3-1. Everyone's up for it to do it for Tom. And someone's going to get a a bit of a shellacking. 3-1's not a shellacking. Um, but someone's getting one soon because, you know, we can't keep on conceding all these goals. And, um, well, Newcastle are conceding goals, aren't they? So, uh, yep, Luton can win this one 3-1. Fairly confident with this one. Uh, I was confident before last Saturday, and I just think the sort of emotions of the occasion will just further ensure that we win this game. Should I give you my proper scoreline then, instead of 1-0 to football? Please do. Which is what, ultimately, I, I want... Uh, but uh, the proper score I, I was going to go for was 2-1 to Luton to Luton that's it for this episode of the podcast my thanks to James for his thoughts um, let us know your score predictions we will not be doing a full review of this game it's just not um, time effective but send us your score predictions anyway and uh, we'll drop you a reply or something if you get the right answer we would like to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas. Uh, we hope that Santa brings everything that you want and saves a present for us all of three points at Sheffield United on Boxing Day. My thanks to everyone for watching or listening. However, you've consumed this podcast. We will do something with regards to a review of this Newcastle game. We don't know what yet, but we'll work something out. It'll probably be something within the stadium immediately after the game. Something along those lines. But if you hit subscribe or wherever you get the podcast, you'll find out exactly when it drops. So thanks to everyone for all the comments. Keep them coming, please. We really appreciate them. We try and reply to as many as we can. Our thanks to the Hightown Club for staging this podcast, to Sean Grant and the Wolfgang for the intro music and to Ed Smith Creative for all the designs that you see on this set. We need to be really loud, really proud on um, Saturday, as we always are. We're all going to be doing this for Tommy. Keep the atmosphere up. Sing his name. Be loud. As loud as you possibly can. Get the boys over the line uh, in what is a huge home game. And uh, I'm sure they'll respond in kind and we'll get the job done. So all that's left to say is come on, you hatters, and have a Merry Christmas, everyone. Everyone in it has got this massive soul. We're looking people.